Hi, my name is Jamie, and welcome to the One World Your Story Project. We share stories from people all over the world and from all different walks of life. Because here's the thing, no matter where you are on this wild planet, and no matter what journey you have already been on, we all have our own unique story, which brings our own unique perspectives to the table. And you never know who you might inspire or completely transform simply by getting real and sharing your story. And right now, while the whole world is dealing with COVID-19, there are 7 billion people all venturing through on their own unique path. So drop in with us to hear some of these stories. And on that note, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of The Corona Diaries. Okay, awesome. Okay, so restarting, um, what's your name? Matthew Carty. Um, I'm in Norton, Mass. Okay, and you're in Norton, Mass. And um, you said that you're in some sort of like facility treatment center. Like, tell me what is this, like, where are you living? You're in Norton, Mass. Uh, where are you actually living? Yeah. So I'm at, uh, it's, a, it's a program called uh, North Cottage. That's the, the name of the facility. Um, and they have a couple of different programs here. They have one that's called an ITP, which is, you know, intensive treatment program. Um, and then they have like the halfway house. And then they have um, a couple of solar houses as well. Um, I found out through this place uh, through uh, one of the counselors at the detox I went to because I'm an alcoholic. Um, and, you know, he, he told me about this place and he's like, you should really try and get in there. And I mean, it took a couple of months, but over time, you know, I managed to get here. And so that's pretty cool. Okay. So I'm happy that you're there. It sounds like it was a space that you wanted to and maybe needed to be in. Um, yeah. How many people are there in this? Would you call it treatment facility, you said? Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, more of like an upper scale uh, treatment facility, I guess you could call it. Um, I don't but know what last I heard... Else? halfway house sober house i mean it's pretty much all of the above um, okay let's call it a sober house for the purposes of this conversation does <laughs> that fine. feel that's does fine. that feel right does that resonate yeah that works okay um, so total people here um i'm not 100 percent sure i've heard rumor that it's close to about 300 okay that's bigger than i thought you were gonna say i thought you were gonna say like 20 <laughs> to 50 or something okay so almost 300 people do you have a roommate how does that work? I do. I have uh, I have two different roommates. Okay. Two different roommates, boys, girls. How does that work? Uh, it's an all guys program. So. Okay. So 300 people are all men, more or less. Yeah. Less, like Pretty some much. people that work there. Okay. Interesting. Um, and when did you get there? Uh, I got here on March. No, not March. Uh, May 8th. Okay, so this is new. You, it's May 21st. Okay, mm -hmm. um, and how old are you, by the way? Uh, I'm 29. I'll be 30 in a couple of months. Okay, 29, feeling fine, almost 30. I'm 32. Um, and what do you do? Um, are you working right now at all? Or are you just kind of living there and being and working on you? Well, I mean, right now I'm just working on me. Um, I'm an interior painter and uh, I also restore furniture and build furniture. Um, so, I mean, as far as like work, I mean, 
you know, it's not exactly, you know, in high demand for people to like want other people in their houses. Uh, so I'm not aware of that aspect, but, um, I actually, I, I own my own, you know, small little company thing. So I, it, it wasn't really a big deal just to take time off and just kind of focus on myself and, you know, get the health that I need. So. Okay. So many interesting things. I'm like, what should we dig into first? Um, thank you for giving me the like layout of you. And by the way, one more question I should ask because you were in a place that's not typically your home where you live. Mm-hmm. Where do you live normally? Uh, well, <laughs> to be a hundred percent honest, um, I was living in West Bridgewater, um, but because I went back to the drinking, I ended up losing where I was living. So, um, okay. right now it's just kind of an ongoing process, but I, I generally, I'm from, you know, Bridgewater, West Bridgewater. I lived in New Bedford for a while. Um, but, but yeah. Yeah, you can't hide the fact that you're from Massachusetts, close to Boston, if you tried. (laughs) That accent accent of yours. Yeah, of course. Um, Yeah, yeah, I get that a lot. um, Okay, and by the way, Matt, thank you for being so open and vulnerable about the fact that you didn't have a home. Um, And how long were you homeless for? Um, It was, uh, long story short, um, I, I... uh, ended up losing my place. Um, I think I was homeless for like 48 hours. Um, and then, you know, I, I was staying with a buddy of mine out in Rainham and I stayed there for you know about a week. And, um, I, you know, for lack of better terms, it was pretty much half of the bag the entire time. And, uh, so that's when I decided, um, you know, I'll just, I'll go to the hospital and that's how I ended up in the detox. So, I mean, as far as being homeless, I wasn't, you know, necessarily on the street, but, and you know, have my own place either. Got it. I think something just happened to your mic or something because I all of a sudden I didn't look like anything happened. Maybe the wind. I don't know. Okay. So you lost your place, went and stayed with a friend, and then it was just like the bottom, maybe that people talk about it was like, okay, time to go. I got nowhere else to go. Clearly something's gotta give. Um, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Okay. So wow, like who knows what's going to happen after this in the world and also with you. So many new beginnings and changes. Okay. Is there anything else that we should know about you or your life outside of this? Um, were you living alone in your place? Uh, no, I, I rented a room for my godparents. Um, I had my own place for, I want to say like six or seven years. I was living in New Bedford. Um, I was engaged. And because of, you know, the alcoholism, I ended up losing that relationship. So, you know, we split apart. I've just been kind of, you know, bouncing around from there. Okay, got it. And do you have any kids? I don't know why I have a feeling. Did you tell me that you <laughs> Am I making that up? No, no, I, uh, I have a, uh, a daughter. Um, she actually just turned eight on the, uh, the 13th. Oh, happy birthday to her. Okay. <laughs> um, and where is she living with your ex? Uh, no, she's with her mother, yeah. Okay. In Massachusetts or somewhere else? Oh, no, she's in Mass. Um, she's like way up north, like uh, Bedford. Okay. Got it. Um, do you ever get to see her? Uh, not as of late. Um, that's, you know, kind of a decision that her mother and I, you know, made. And we were like, you know, until you know, things kind of like even out. Then just kind of, you know, keeping my kid in the dark about stuff. So. Yeah, I get it. And um, 
it's like, how do you, there's no rule book or guidebook on how to do these things, right? So make the decision that feels the best in your heart and amazing. It sounds, I'm glad yeah. that you were able yeah. to talk about that. Nice that you could even have a, sometimes that's not even an option. <laughs> well, uh, as they like to say, uh, in pretty much every treatment, you know, area I've been in, you know, honesty is, you know, the program. So it's like, uh, it's an honest program, I should say. Yeah. And it's hard to be honest. Sometimes I also think it's harder to lie, like keep the lies going because once you're on it, that's it. You're free of it. You don't have to think about it anymore in the same kind. Yeah. Of yeah. Um, but that's a whole other story. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Okay, so you had your own business, you had a place, you had this relationship, ended up having a daughter, long story short, you still have the business, interior painting and furniture. That's really cool. Um, mm -hmm. And you're living with your godparents and now you're here um, as of May 8th. Okay, cool. Let's go back in time, Matt. Um, right. do you, when was the first time you remember hearing about the coronavirus? Um, so, I mean, I, I heard bits and pieces about it. It really hadn't, like, you know, really surfaced the way it did um, up until, you know, the beginning of March. Um, and that's when I went into, um, you know, the, the detox program. Um, and it was, said, you know, was within... You went into the detox program. What was that? What was the date that you went into the detox program? Oh, Christ. Um, I want to say March second maybe third okay but that first week of march for sure yeah 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 okay so um so i ended up i was in the detox and then you know we were seeing it on the news um you know corona blah blah it was it was going all over the place um you know it was mostly overseas and then all of a sudden you know they found out that it was in you know the usa um and then all of a sudden like you know it feels like it happened almost overnight where all of a sudden, you know, putting in all these stipulations, you know, social distancing and all this. And it's like, you know, I'm in a program where, you know, literally they constantly talk about how like you should rely on each other and, you know, be more open and, you know, don't isolate, like don't hide from each other. Um, and so all of a sudden now they're telling us to, you know, like, you know, if you can stay in your rooms, um, you know, don't, you know, get involved with each other. Um, all of our groups ended up getting canceled. Um, so it was, you know, it was a complete 180 to, you know, what you would normally find in a treatment program. Um, but yeah, like I said, it, it, it feels like it just happened overnight. Like all of a sudden it was like, Hey, Corona. <laughs> My Corona. <No. laughs> um, Oh my gosh, that's so wild. So you go into treatment on uh, the very beginning of March. And it's true. Um, the reality is that it was here before then, but we certainly weren't talking about it like it was here. And, and right. when I say we, for this conversation, I mean the US, okay? So like, yeah. then all of a sudden, bam, it's like, it's here. It's really, really fucking here. Shit, we have to do something about it. And right at that yeah. time, you were... Fresh out of detox, I'm sure, because in Colorado, where I am, um, we went into like lockdown quarantine um, March 18th, I want to say, or the 19th, which was a Thursday, two days after St. Yeah. And Massachusetts was right around the same time. In fact, I think maybe a day or two later. Um, yeah, um, I, I think it was actually, I think it was March 15th. 
don't quote me on that one. But I, I know it was Okay, that was definitely Sunday. The only reason I know those dates is because I started this project on the 17th. I know Friday the 13th was a Friday. Keeps me in line. <laughs> but Sunday would make yeah. with the 15th. Um, so, the, okay, you're like almost, let's, let's call it two weeks sober at that point. And you're yeah. learning about all of this stuff. So your life has already taken a huge change because of that. Mm -hmm. um, how were you feeling at that time, by the way, before Corona even became a thing? I mean, um, I don't know. I, I was pretty much a hot mess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, you know, a lot of people will talk about, you know, detox just being like, you know, a, a spin cycle where you go in and uh, you sober up and, you know, usually, um, you know, as you continue you know, through different programs, if you choose to do so, it's, it's a lot less um, chaotic, I guess. Um, and, you know, once Corona hit, like I said, it, it happened pretty much overnight. And, you know, not only are you, you know, you're dealing with uh, what they call PLAS, it's post-acute withdrawal syndrome. Um, not only are you dealing with that, but now you're dealing with the chaos of the world happening around you. And so, I mean, like, I, I was pretty much, you know, stunned and I didn't, I, uh, I, don't know, I didn't really have much of a, a feeling or reaction to it. Cause it was just so overwhelming where I'm like, all right, what do I do now? <laughs> so, well, let me ask you this. And cause you said, I didn't have much of a feeling reaction to it. Mm. What do I do? Um, and if I'm overstepping or assuming anything, correct me, okay? Mm -hmm. Is part of the reason maybe why you started drinking to not feel, to get rid of feelings, to, or I don't know, like, have you ever really been a feeling kind of person? Um, you know, that, that's actually a good question. <laughs> um, as far as, you know, drinking and stuff, like when I started, um, I started drinking at a really young age. I started drinking when I was like 13. And um, it, it was, you know, for the first, you know, six, seven years, it, it was more so, it was just fun. You know, I, I drank, you know, all through high school and it was constant house parties and stuff. And then as time went on, it was more, you know, just to basically numb myself. Um, you know, and if I, you know, if there was a, an excuse, I, I definitely had one. Um, so I, you know, I was, I was drinking for everything, you know, it was to be numb or it was to be happy. Um, you know, I, so there didn't really I, have to be a reason. It just, it just was yeah, yeah, pretty at some much, point. Pretty much. <laughs> Anything um, became a reason you're saying. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, but a big part of it definitely was, you know, just not being able to you know, really cope with things, and, you know, be able to, uh, you know, have a normal person's feelings. <laughs> um, I hate to use that term, but I mean, it's the best way I can explain it. And, and it's interesting that you say, I hate to use that term. It's the only way I can explain it because we all have this like idea that there is a normal person's feelings. Yeah. I don't know that that's true. Um, and I consider myself to be a feeler. I am an emotion. I'm emotional. I love talking yeah. about feelings. Do I know how to necessarily deal with mine or even know what I'm feeling half the time? No. Um, but it's like, okay, let me figure it out. Do I want to actually do the work and figure it out? That I think yeah. is like the difference. So, okay. Makes sense. And I think that that's so many of us, especially because 
we don't, we're not told how to deal with it. We don't talk about right. mental health and emotions and um, what's going on enough, especially in this country. Um, so yeah, it's, a, it's a really taboo subject. It really is. And it's why. It's the most human part of us. Um, it doesn't make any Couldn't sense. Couldn't tell you. <laughs> so, okay, now though, you don't have that. That was the way you coped, right? Yeah. Now what though? Um, well, I mean, it, it, it's really different for everybody. I know uh, for myself, um, I mean, it's, it's a lot of therapy, um, a lot of meetings. Um, I mean, right now, obviously, meetings aren't really a thing. Um, but, you know, you know therapy, um, medication, if it's needed. Um, you know, I, I was diagnosed with, uh, you know, anxiety, um, severe depression, insomnia, uh, PTSD. So, I mean, there was a laundry list of different things. And, um, I mean, it's just kind of, you know, poking a prod and figuring out, you know, how are we going to, how are we going to not necessarily fix it, but, you know, manage it better where it's like, I don't have to go back to the bottle. I can just, you know, calm myself down, or, you know, not, you know, just not start bouncing off the walls. Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm only laughing because the things that you're describing, I feel like so many people are experiencing at heightened levels or in ways in which they never had before. All of a sudden are bouncing out, like not knowing how to deal. And it's kind yeah. of a beautiful gift that you're in a situation where you have people to talk to you about it in therapy right then and there. Aside from yeah. all of the other things that you're working out. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's a constant um, conversation that's had. And this has been because you know, I was in, uh, you know, uh, Foxborough when I was in detox. And then I went to uh, Worcester and I just came here. But anyways. Um, oh, so you've been to three different places between the beginning of March. Basically, during Corona, you've been in three different living facilities. Uh, technically four. Um, technically I was, four. Oh, super yeah. interesting. So NORCAP was the first one. That was the detox. And then I went to this place called Washburn House. Um, that's what they consider a CSS. Um, don't know what it stands for, but um, and then they had um, the extended care. Um, and that's the one where I told you, like, I only had a certain you know, time frame. Um, and then from there, I came here. But, um, you know, through all of it, you know, the, the more the most common thing that was always said is, I mean, being in here or being in any form of treatment was a hell of a lot better than being out on the street or, you know, having to deal with all the Corona and stuff. Cause I mean, we were isolated from everything. Um, you know, all of the staff that I've dealt with, they've all, you know, especially the nurses and the docs and stuff they did and took all the precautions that they possibly could to, you know, not, you know, uh, bring, you know, COVID into, you know, anywhere we were. Um, I mean, it got really difficult. And one of the programs I was in, um, COVID actually did make it in there. And there was quite a few people who got sick. Um, but even then, like, you know, we had a quarantine wing. And so, you know, it was managed fairly well. Wow. I was going to ask about that. Holy moly. Okay. So, I mean, you said in the beginning, I'm glad you brought this all up because I wanted to go back there, that they said, okay, really important to be together, be in community support each other, all of this stuff. And then coronavirus happens and not that any of that isn't true, but you just can't do it. Yeah. 
So how are they doing treatment? Like, and I know how important that is because when you're sitting there by yourself dealing with, it feels so like shit, like I'm the only one. And actually part of the reason yesterday I was talking to somebody about all of this, they were, they got fired Mm. and all of their work stopped. And they said, actually it didn't feel as scary because I knew everyone was going through it at the same time. Um, yeah. But when you're in your room alone, so what did they say to you? Like, what were the tools they gave you? Or, um, well, I, there was still there was still some groups, um, and what they were doing is they were doing because um, before it would be like you know, fifty, sixty people in a room, um, and it was just this huge group of people, um, and then they they broke it down where there was you know half hour groups throughout the day because you know there was that quote unquote time limit of how long you could be in you know a room with somebody. So I think it was complete horseshit. But anyways. A time for the time limit before? Um, I, I guess um, Governor Baker or whatever was saying, like, you know, you, you couldn't have uh, a social setting where there was like 10 or more people. Um, and with that social setting, if you're in a room, then it couldn't be more than a half an hour. Maybe that wow. was just what they were telling us. Um, yeah, but, because I know uh, the numbers. The numbers was a thing. Never heard the time limit. That might be... That might be a treatment. Yeah, I, yeah, it might be. Um, but super interesting. So what was happening is uh, they they you know, downsized all the groups, um, and they were having you know more groups but less groups. So it was you know there was there was so many different blocks, and like you, know, you would have a couple of groups you know a day or maybe sometimes a week. I'm like right now where I'm at, um, you know, one week I'll have two groups a week, and then another week I'll have one group a week. Um, but you know, because they downsized it in a, in a weird way, it actually almost became more intimate. And, you know, a lot was, you know, you know, was being able, or it was able to be discussed instead of, you know, being in like this huge room and there's a you know, shit ton of people. And it's like, you know, you can't really say anything. Whereas, you know, it was more, I mean, it almost seemed like it was one-on-one, but yeah. Well, that's exactly what I was going to say when you were describing it. I'm like, wow, it almost sounds like you'd have, more of an opportunity to go deeper with a smaller group of people, which could almost be more valuable. Yeah. You don't need yeah, a lot of people to have that support. You just need at least one other that's yeah. with you. So have you been able to form some like really meaningful like relationships and connections? What's that? What's that like? Um, kind of. Um, I mean, a basic rule of thumb, um, I'm not going to lie, is, you know, uh, people come and go. Um, mm. You know, it, any any treatment place it's a revolving door so um you know he said that general rule of thumb is to you know not really get close with people um but it, it's inevitably going to happen Dang. um they tell you that so, I mean, as a fl- like when you go there or is that just kind uh, of like an unspoken known thing yeah it's one of those you know unwritten rule kind of things um huh. you know because I, you know, this is my my second time going through treatment um my, my first time going through um uh, you know, I got really close with, you know, quite a few people and it was unfortunate because, you know, as soon as I left the program, um, I mean, we all pretty much left at the same time, you know, within a week or so, a good portion of them had passed. Um, so, you know, that's why they pretty much tell you, you know, oh, it's all right, you know, um, but yeah, that's why they pretty much say, Hey, listen, like, you know, don't, don't get too connected with people. Um, but it, you know, like I said, it's inevitably going to happen. Um, there's, you know, a couple of people that I've, I've actually you know, become really close with here, um, you know, from Washburn House. You know, there was a couple of people 
And, um, you know, this time around, it, it's more of a tight knit group and we're all kind of, you know, we're, we're keeping each other up because, you know, especially with the COVID and everything, it's like, you know, we can't necessarily rely on, you know, the people that we're physically with. So it's like, we're constantly talking throughout the day, you know, my phone's literally going off all night. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, in a sense, like, you know, we're not completely isolated, but at the same time, we're not like, you know, together. I don't know. It's, it's a really, it's a really, I shouldn't say obvious, but it's a really unique environment. It sounds like a really unique environment. I mean, are you all living there? Like, can you leave? If you had work, for example, like, could you go do the work or do you have to be there? Um, so for the first two months, um, I'm in, you know, like I said, I was an ITP. Um, and so for the first two months, um, they don't want you to leave. I mean, they, they literally say in the pamphlet that they give you, they say, listen, like, you know, you're here to get better, not, not to work. So, I mean, they strongly recommend that you don't, you know, work at all. Um, and then after the two months, uh, then you can, you know, start to work. I mean, if you absolutely have to work, then, I mean, yeah, you can. Um, but it, it's really up to, you know, you know, you and your counselor and, you know, the counselor's discretion. Got it. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I mean, as far as, like, leaving and stuff, um, it, you know, I've only been here, you know, for about a week now. Um, so. I can leave with somebody else who's been here for more than 30 days. Um, but I can't personally leave like by myself. Um, but yeah, I can, you know, go, go shopping and stuff. Like I was at Walmart the other day. Um, you know, I, there was a, a CVS down the street that I've gone to a couple of times. Um, but I mean, for the most part, I, you know, I just, I choose to stay here. I mean, it's so much more, you know, convenient. I, mean, I have everything I need here. I don't really necessarily need to leave. And uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny, you know, going to Walmart and stuff. I'm not used to the whole, you know, social distancing and everything. Like, I've been literally cooped up and isolated in this little ball. And so just going to Walmart, you know, uh, people are yelling at me because I'm going up and down the aisles, like, in the wrong directions and stuff. And sorry, it's like this bug. Um, you, know, you know, just going up and down the aisles in the wrong directions and getting yelled at. I'm like, I don't, like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. And then, you know. I ended up talking to my dad about it. He's like, you're an idiot. He's like, just stay where you are. So, Why'd you go to Walmart? Um, because <laughs> uh, the beds here absolutely suck. Um, so I, I just went for a, um, one of those uh, mattress topper things. I mean, I could have ordered one on Amazon, but and at the same time, I also, like, I really wanted to just get out and kind of, like, you know, venture out because it was my first time really going anywhere since the beginning of March. Like I wasn't, you know, all it's been is just, you know, whoever's in the program with you. For sure. Was going out all that you thought it was going to be? No, no, I, I haven't gone out since then. <laughs> it's um, fucking weird. Well, I guess it, yeah, it really is. Um, you know, I, I, I was looking at stuff and um, like even just pulling up to Walmart, like I'm in the back of the Uber, I pull up and I'm, you know, I, I see the line out front, and, you know, everybody's so far apart from each other. I'm like, what the frick? Like this, it literally looks like, you know, uh, what's that movie? Like 28 days later or, you know, that movie Outbreak where everybody's so far and like, you know, they're all masks and everything. And, you know, it, it was just, it was so surreal and just, it, you know mind blowing it up like like i didn't 
I mean, I had been hearing about it, you know, through the news and then, you know, through you know, the staff and stuff, different councillors you know, that have been coming and going. I mean, you hear about it, but to actually like experience it after hearing about all this, it was just, you know, like I said, it was surreal. And I, uh, you know, after going out, I'm like, no, nah, I just, I'd rather stick around and just kind of hang out. It's so weird because things are starting to reopen in Colorado. Yeah. And it feels really weird going out. And it's like, I don't want to be here, but it's also weird to go out. I don't know what to do. And I feel like there's, like, I have not been in a treatment facility, so I don't know. I'm assuming here, but my hunch would be like after two or three months, okay, I want to go back home, you know? Yeah. But I don't know. Is that the, is that the case right now? Like if, if you had a place to go to for sure. Would you want to leave? Mm. Does it feel like a safe bubble? I mean, it's, what a mind fuck. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Um, I mean, as far as that's concerned, like, I, even if you took COVID completely out of the mix and, like, it was just, you know, normal life, nothing had ever happened, um, I, I still, I mean, I, I could definitely say that I, I would rather stay here. Um, and that's just, you know, a personal preference and thing because, like, you know, I, I did the whole spin dry thing before and it didn't work. Um, it didn't stick. So, you know, this time wow. around, like, I, I want to try and get as much as I can out of it. Um, Good yeah, for you. Have, That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, they have, um, you know, they have in-house doctors and stuff and um, psychiatrists and you know, therapists. I mean, they have everything I need literally right here. Um, you know, the only thing that they don't have is, you know, an in-ground pool. Um <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, you know, I, I'm getting, you know, the help that I need. And, um, you know, if I need, like, medications adjusted or something like that, like, you know, I, I'm not I'm not by myself. Um, you know, if I need to, you know, talk to somebody or see somebody about you know, certain medications or, you know, just if I'm having a bad day, it's like I can walk right down the hall. I don't need to, you know, make an appointment for anything. So, I, like I said, without COVID, I, I would probably stay here most likely. Um, with COVID, definitely would stay here. Um, I mean, I, I've talked to a couple of people who have gone home um, and they're, you know, they're doing their own thing. They're doing, uh, you know, IOPs, which is intensive outpatient. Um, and so that's like, you know, an hour or two each day. And, you know, before it was, you know, you're going to the facility, um, but now it's, you know, all Zoom meetings and stuff like that. Yeah, they're like, you know, it, you know, a good portion of them wish that they had stayed in treatment because it's just, it's not the same. It's not that intimate, you know, thing that you're looking for, um, especially when it comes to sobriety and stuff because I have that intimacy then, I mean, you, for lack of better terms, you're pretty much fucked. Well, and also I would think like if you're at home and there's nothing else to do, like why wouldn't you feel like no, nothing's going on, no responsibility? Like there's just so many reasons that that community and support or being there would be extra desired or needed during a time like this. Yeah. I mean, you know, boredom is, you know, definitely one of, one of the number one killers. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, even, you know, one of the things I was looking at is statistically, uh, the, uh, the relapse rate, um, for anybody who's, you know, an addict or an alcoholic or anything is it's significantly higher now because like I said, it's just, 
you're bored. You have nothing to do. You don't have any, you know, responsibilities. You can't go to a meeting. You can't. There's literally nothing. Um, you know, and like I, you know, I said before, it's like with all of this going on, it's like the one thing that you know is stressed the most is the one thing that is not happening, and that's like you know, social interaction instead of social distancing. Yeah, it's really wild. And I mean, it, it begs a question that I talk to pretty much everyone about is what's going to kill us more, right? Is it the virus itself or is it the impact of the virus and us being separate from each other? Because we're animals. We are social beings. We have to have it. And by the way, like, what was your feeling about community and social interactions before going into treatment? Um, you know, it, it's, it's funny, um, you know, ask anybody who knows me, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a social butterfly. I get along with everybody. Uh, I'm usually off the walls, really hyper. Um, and I hate every ounce of it. <laughs> um, I, I, wow. I, I genuinely, yeah, I, I don't like being around people necessarily. Um, I'm, I'm a very, you know, you know, isolated individual. Um, you know, I'm, I'm an only child. Um, and you know, I just, I, I prefer to be alone. Um, a lot of it is, you know, the social anxiety and stuff and, you know, a, a good chunk of it is also the depression. Um, but I mean, you know, before I, yeah, I would just, you know, pretty much spend time with myself. And if I was, you know, with people and you know everything, like it just didn't seem like anything was wrong. But I, like I said, I, I definitely am a, you know, more of a, a loner kind of person. You know, you say, like, if ask anybody, I'm a social butterfly, but you in your heart know that that's not true. I feel like in a lot of ways, I felt that way my whole life, mm-hmm. even though I genuinely, like, I truly love people. And I also, am like, fuck off half the time. Like, I need me. I got to get yeah. really energized because I give all my energy away. And if I don't mm-hmm. have time for me, I won't replenish it. Right, right. Talk about the balance or, like, it's somehow our world makes it be like, if you're not social, like there's something wrong with you. Exactly. That's, true. that's such bullshit. Um, and you can be social with one person and that's enough to get what you need. So anyway, um, and we, we won't dive into that on this call, but so what about now though? And um, before you even answer that. Okay. Why were you so social? Why would your friends always describe you as that if you didn't like it? I, I don't know. Um, you know, maybe it was just the anxiousness. Like I, you know, always bouncing off the walls and stuff. Um, but I mean, it, that's one of those things that I mean, I I haven't really thought about. Um, I've never actually been asked that before. Um, I mean, yeah, no, I I really don't know. Um, okay, well, hey, maybe food for thought, something to percolate on under that tree of yours after we hang up this call. I don't know. Yeah, um, I mean, the only the only thing that I can think of off the top of my head that, you know, I, my therapist told me is, um, you know, that whole people-pleasing aspect is, you know, just trying to make everybody else happy. And, you know, um, one of the things that, sorry, this is a stupid gnat. Um one of the things that, you know, people tell you is like, this is also a selfish program. Like you really have to think about yourself and yourself. If you're not focused on your sobriety more than anything else,
everything else, then you know you're pretty much down Shit's Creek. Um, so you know, like you know, like I said, my therapist and stuff were constantly telling me, um, you know, it sounds like I'm a people pleaser. I was more you know concerned about what other people thought and like if they were happy. And you know, deep down inside, I was just you know miserable bastard. I'm like I don't like I don't want anything to do with anybody, but yet I'm still gonna stick around. So. It's funny to me that they call it a selfish program. And I get that because it does feel selfish to focus on ourselves because again, somehow for some reason we were told that, but I know you're going to know who this is. I was thinking in my head, is he going to know this? If you know me from the RCC, of course, you know, RuPaul. Who? RuPaul. RuPaul's drag um, Come on. I No, no, it I doesn't ring a bell. drag shows, obviously. Yeah, uh, but you also got to remember I'm an alcoholic. Doesn't mean I was sober. <laughs> so uh, okay, I very. I was a bartender at that time. That makes a lot of fucking sense. Whoa, that's so interesting. Yeah, it's, just maybe, uh, like I wonder how many people you serve. I serve. Duh, in the past. Do you never? Yeah. You never know. You really don't. Um, I mean. The only the only way that you can really tell um, if somebody you know, especially is like an alcoholic and stuff, is like if you work in a liquor store. And ironically enough, I worked in a liquor store, so it's like I saw the regulars and I saw, you know, it, you know different time frames and like you know, first thing in the morning, people literally waiting for you to open up the store. Totally. It's like, yeah, they know you, what they're going to buy every time. They know what they're going to buy every time. Exactly, and. Um, you know, it, you, you even see like the physical side of, you know, a lot of people, um, you know, especially when they come in like shaking and stuff. It's actually a really sad thing. Um, but yeah, as far as like alcoholism in itself, I mean, it's it's a lot more common than people actually realize or willing to admit. Absolutely. Um, because it's so socially accepted. It yeah. is socially accepted to get wasted. Not every day, but you can do it a couple times a week and until somebody catches on and Day, like you're the fun one. Yeah, it's so wild. Um, yeah. Sorry if I cut you off. Go ahead if you were gonna say. Oh something. no, that's fine. No, I, I was gonna say is you know with the whole socially accepted thing. Um, you know, I was drinking for years, and uh, nobody really caught on until you know I ended up getting really sick um, from the drinking, and so you know I was in and out of the hospital and stuff. And you know that's when all of a sudden people were like. like you know, like Matt, like how much are you drinking? Like, what's going on? You know, this and that. Like, you know, my my parents are getting worried. Um, you know, like my fiance at the time, she's looking at stuff. She's like, you know, you smell like alcohol at the time, and she's like, she assumed that it was just you know something broke at work or whatever. I had a couple of drinks at work, but um, no, I, I hit it really, really well. And like I said, um, nobody really caught on until you know I ended up in the hospital. I mean, my liver was pretty much shot, and uh, you know, I was pretty much as yellow as a highlighter. Um, and you know that's you know so that's when people looked at it were like yeah like you're you're drinking a lot more than you're letting on to so I think it's part of that I don't think that that's not the case that you were hiding it well and not letting it on and I also talk about it how like you know there's there's layers there but we need to it's really important that we need to and yeah Shit, Matt, what were we talking about? Like, why did we, there was something that I really wanted to ask you about that was, okay, 
I'll think about it, but let me go back to when I asked you originally about the social thing, right? What did you think about socializing community? And I, is it fair to assume that you've realized how important community is and socializing, in it, but in a different way? Yeah. Um, it, it's, uh, I actually have it on my Facebook. I, I wrote this thing. Um, I write a lot. Uh, but Me too. I wrote this it's thing. The best way to clear my mind. Exactly. Answers. And, uh, you know, I, I wrote about, it's, uh, you know, I, I was, today, man, I'm thinking, I'm like, all right, so, you know, what's going to happen when, you know, I, I reintroduce myself into the world? You know, this is the thought of, mm. is there even really going to be a world to introduce yourself back into? Like, mm. Um, so I mean, it's all, it's all up in the air right now. Um, you know, I, I, I definitely think that, you know, with all of this, um, people are definitely, um, you know, realizing you know, more so the importance of, you know, just being together and like, you know, being able to, you know, just be around each other, communicate, so on and so forth. Um, and I, I think that's one of those things where it's like, um, you know, you, you don't really know what you have until it's gone kind of thing. So. Okay. So you don't know what you have until it's gone. I mean, what do you think about the fact, like, it's such an interesting perspective that you're coming from because you're in a place, like you said, when you messaged me and you mentioned it a couple of times where community is so important to the healing and the work that you're doing. Yeah. Told you need it, yet the whole world is telling us we can't have it right now. Mm -hmm. What do you think the impact of that is? And do you think that that's the right thing? Should we be actually be so? I mean, here in a community of 300 people, somehow you all are making it work and not, and not everyone's yeah. dying. Like, what are we doing here, Matt? And how important is it that we actually do communicate and have community? Uh, I. I, I think it's one of those things um, and, you know, it's just by, you know, watching other people and stuff. It's one of those where, you know, we've learned to adapt with it. Um, and even with you know, the whole social distancing and everything, it's like we figured out uh, almost like a, you know, loopholes around everything. Um, you know, <laughs> another thing that they talk about is, you know, um, addicts and alcoholics, like they're, we're absolute geniuses because I mean, we can figure out how to manipulate, you know, pretty much get whatever we want. So it's like, even <laughs> with all of this, happening, <laughs> it's the truth. I, I hate to say it, but it really is. Uh, even with all this happening, we're still I mean, a, a good portion. Like it, I can't actually show you because I'm not technically allowed to, but I'm like, you know, like there's literally a group of like 20 guys right in front of me, you know, all sitting on the patio, just hanging out. It's like, like I said, we, we just find that, that loophole. I mean, is that a loophole or is that okay at the community? Yeah. Um, I, I, I think it's one of those where we, uh, we kind of made it okay. <laughs> um, I mean, there's still, you know, a private home, if you will, you can kind of make your own rules on that land. Maybe. Yeah, uh, but it, it still is uh, a state-funded uh, program. Uh, oh, still. that adds an interesting layer to it, doesn't it? Yeah, so, like, um, 
you know, a, a good portion of it is insurance based. Um, and then, you know, if you have an income, you, you're supposed to contribute to the house and stuff. Um, but it's, uh, it's, uh, I'm trying to remember what the program's called. It's run by the state. Um, it might even be a national thing, but it's like the Bureau of like Substance uh, Education or something like that, where they, they fund you know, these programs. Uh, and so, you know, like I say, it's, it's a state thing. Um, so, you know, as far as like the whole social distancing and everything, like, you know, it's, um, it's a little bit more strict, but like I said, I mean, we've pretty much just kind of you know, done whatever. We, it's like some of us don't even care. It's like, you know, we're not going to risk our sobriety, you know, at the expense of just, you know, quote unquote social distancing. It's like this, this it almost seems like it's you know, pointless. Um, wow, gosh, that's so crazy. What you've done. That you're not going to risk your sobriety because, in a way, that is risking literally your life, maybe in a more. Uh, not more serious, but a more like, yeah, seemingly like now kind of serious way because if somebody goes and relapses right now, mm-hmm. die immediately on the first time they use. But you don't yeah. know whether or not you're going to get coronavirus, but you kind of know if you go back to using your life is fucked, just like it would be yeah. if you got corona. So yeah, which is more important, your sobriety or the coronavirus? Your sobriety, I would say. Yeah. And, you know, uh, like I was saying before, like, if you don't have your sobriety, if you're not taking care of yourself, then you, you know, you're pretty much as good as dead. Um, and so, I mean, the, the best way I can look at it right now is, you know, I can get, you know, COVID right now, um, but at least I'm sober and I can, you know, I can actually deal with it um, in a more, I guess, mature way. Um, whereas if I was, you know, half in the bag, then. And probably just treat myself stupid and, you know, come up with like all these different, you know, extremes, you know, possibilities and stuff. Like I would just. And spread it probably too. If you have. Yeah. Yeah. I don't Um, know. We don't know. Right. We're making shit up. But like, I think that, yeah, it's such an interesting point. Think about like all other people that are dealing with it now. Like, God, I hope that they get to be in a place where that, that becomes is able to be the priority too, because it totally should be for so many reasons. And now I remember what I was going to say before, because you just said it, it's like, you got to focus on you like RuPaul. Okay. It's a mother of all drag queens and says, if you can't love yourself, how in the hell are you going to love somebody else? And it's true. Uh, is it, is it that the bald person? Yes. Very tall. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Now and I know, you know him. About. So like, but it's true because if we aren't, fully like good ourselves you cannot fully show up for someone else just like you couldn't really for your friends or your family when you were a mess inside yeah so it's not selfish actually it's one of the most selfish selfless things we can do is be good with ourselves and take care of yeah ourselves. and and that is something that you know is you know kind of stressed um but it's still also it's a really you know taboo concept um i i couldn't tell you why um i I don't know the reasons behind it but i mean i i could grab you know 20 people at random and every single one of them probably look and be like listen like yeah we don't care about ourselves and so it's like you have to work on that Um, as a world that we have to work on that as a whole it's a thing and and by the way it's the same voice 
inside our heads that tells us we're a piece of shit that also tells us that we are fucking fabulous and fierce. We just yeah. get to choose which ones we listen to, but that like negative one can be so much louder. And if we don't learn that, oh, you can meditate, or you learn that, hey, wait, that's not me. I'm the one listening to it. Mm-hmm. Then you just go on believing that that's true. So yeah, of course, walk around telling ourselves how terrible we are all the time. And by the way, everybody's doing it. We're all our own biggest critics. We just don't talk about it. Um, yeah. But it could change. This is why we're doing this project, Matt. Um, yeah. By the way, how many days have you been sober now? Let, we got to talk about that. Um, oh, God. Uh, the actual day count, um, I couldn't tell you. Um, I mean, when I, when I first went into detox, um, I, uh, I was, I was pretty drunk when I went in, um, and I didn't like completely sober up for like, I want to say maybe two or three days. Um, so I mean, it's it take that long to fully get out of you. Uh, well, I mean, it really depends on the person. Um, I have an extremely high tolerance. Um, so I mean, my, my BAC was like 0.52. Um, and for, you know, a normal you know, a human being like that's, that's clinically dead. Um, so yeah, it, it does take a while. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's like 0.35 is like the, the max where like you know, they look and they say, all right, like if you're, if you're still functioning above that, then, you know, you're definitely an alcoholic or, you know, binge drink or whatever yeah. you want to call it. And you were um, at 0.52 when you walked yourself into detox. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, saying something. <laughs> okay. Got you. Um, but yeah, as far as time, um, I want to say it's like, I I know I'm definitely coming up to three months. Um, okay. I was going to say, did you get your 60 day chip? Uh, I did. I did. Yeah. All right. So we're close to 90 days. Mm -hmm. That is so exciting. Congratulations. (laughs) Thanks. It's something to be really proud of. Truly. Yeah. Um, and okay, I don't know if you have an answer to this, but I'm so curious to know what your perspective is. And by the way, I want to be really mindful of the time. It's almost three, almost five. Can we go a couple minutes past? Yeah, that's fine. Okay, awesome. So, you know, in some states, it was never even a thing. Like liquor stores were always going to stay open, but in Colorado, mm-hmm. okay, in Denver. When they first announced this lockdown, they said that medical dispensaries were going to stay open, the recreational mm-hmm. ones were closed, and the liquor stores were closed, will be closed, mm-hmm. right? So everybody and their mother went to the liquor stores and dispensaries, liquor stores, mm-hmm. lines. I'm like, okay, just to say 24 hours later that actually that wasn't the case and that they were going to be open the whole time because they were mm-hmm. essential. Essential because alcoholic does not have access to a liquor store and you don't, you cannot go to detox because you're told not to go to these hospitals. Right. Or some people wouldn't even go on their own. Mm -hmm. Then that's a health crisis because you can die if you don't have proper treatment for detox. So yeah. Alcohol keeping the the liquor stores open. And I'm so curious to know what your thoughts or opinions are on that. Uh, It's pretty much like you said. Um, So the uh, the withdrawal um, and the detox process from alcohol and um, you know benzos um, uh, it, it will literally kill you. Uh, 
it, you know, you, you start seizing out, um, you know, some people have uh, delirium tremors or DTs. Um, I mean, I've, I've had more seizures than I can even count at this point uh, because of the drinking, I actually developed a seizure disorder. Uh, but, you know, if they, if they did close liquor stores and make it so they're not essential, then yeah, I mean, you know, I, you know funeral homes would be making a killing, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> like, it, it's, it's really scary, um, you know, like how, you know, it's so socially accepted to, you know, drink and stuff. And you don't realize, you know, I mean, even some people don't even realize, like, themselves, like, you know, they're so, they're so enveloped in their, you know, their, their world when it comes to drinking and stuff, where it just becomes normal. Uh, I mean, for years, my normal was, you know, waking up and, you know, just grabbing, you know, a pint or whatever that was right next to me and just start drinking. It was just to get rid of the fakes and then, you know, head to work and on the way to work, hit the packy and, you know, pick up a couple of bottles. Um, and so once it's taken away, then, you know, it, it would literally be mass hysteria. Um, so, I mean, it's it's a double-edged sword um, as far as you know the, the packies and stuff staying open. Um, I'd, I'd say it was a good thing. Good thing now, maybe not a good thing twenty years ago. Like maybe we should have done something about that. I don't know. It's like, but it makes you think. Like, holy shit! Like a liquor store should not be an essential thing, in my opinion. But it has to be right now because of the way our world works because of literally everything that's going on um they're not everything that's going on but yeah um you know how the world works and stuff i mean look at prohibition um the prohibition hit i mean yeah a good you know a good portion of it was just you know they're you know they feel like their rights being taken away but at the same time people were getting sick i mean if you look at um oh my god that's so interesting you never talk about alcoholism and detox when you think about prohibition but of course that was a part of wow of course it's been around in the history of alcohol and alcoholism yeah and you know when when alcoholism like first like was starting to be understood i mean that was when uh like bill and bob or whatever the, the two guys that you know started um aa uh, back in like the 1920s um so like prohibition was like a huge part of it. I didn't realize it was that long ago. Of course, that was yeah. right around the time. Holy shit. Yeah. And so, you know, with the prohibition and stuff, that's when people started to realize it's like, holy crap, like if these people aren't drinking and like you take away their alcohol and stuff, like people are going to get sick. And then that's when everything just kind of, you know, snowballed. Whoa. Sorry it's for the pause. I'm just sitting here thinking like, that's a hundred years of that. Knowing yeah. that it was claiming it to be essential, knowing that that was a thing, and we haven't mm. done shit about it. In fact, just made it worse. Yeah, I mean, um, over the past, I'd, I'd say decade, um, I mean, a lot has changed as far as, you know, like you know, providing help for people. Um, and it's... Especially in Massachusetts. Uh, Especially in Massachusetts. Yeah. Um, it, you know, the, I still remember, you know, even in my teens and stuff, um, to, you know, to be an addict or an alcoholic or something. Like, they were shunned. Like, they, you, couldn't, you couldn't be around them. You couldn't hang out with them because they yeah. were just awful people. Um, and now it's one of those where it's like, it's not so... 
it's not so critical to like stay away from them. Like instead of you know pushing them away, like you know a leper or something, like you you reach out to them, embrace. Um, yeah, and, yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. You're right. Yeah, and and you know, like I said, like it's definitely over like even just the past decade and stuff, um, it's become not necessarily acceptable to be an alcoholic or an addict, but it's become you know more understood, and it's you know, like I say we're not getting shunned. You, know, you can talk about way. it. Not that it's okay, but you can actually yeah. talk about it. Yeah, it's like, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, want to say a couple months ago, because um, I, I was sober for like a short while. Um, you know, I, I was talking to somebody and they asked me if I wanted to go out and like get drinks and stuff. And, you know, instead of, you know, trying to beat around the bush and everything, I'm like, you know, I, I don't drink. They asked, it's like, well, why not? Like, we'll have you know a beer too. It's like, no, I'm an alcoholic. I can't just have a beer too. Like, it's you know, one's not enough in a thousand. Or no, one's too much in a thousand's not enough. Um, mm. But anyways, you know, it, it is one of those where I can just you know come straight out and just be like, yeah, like I'm an alcoholic, and you know, it's not like people aren't going to condemn me as much. Um, yeah, you know, I've also heard of like, uh, you know, like people, um, you know, their places of employment. Um, I actually, I, I met somebody who was, uh, she was a secretary for, you know, a doctor's office. Um, and, you know, she, you know, flat out said, she's like, listen, like, I, I have a drug problem. Like, I need to go to detox and rehab. And so, you know, her doctor's, like that doctor's office, they paid for it. Like, it's like, they would rather you go and get help instead of, you know, just like screwing off at work. And, yeah, that's something up. Well, I think it goes back to what we were talking about in the very beginning of this. And you just mentioned it too. I could just be honest with them, right? I'm an alcoholic. It's the truth will set you free. Like first it might be really hard, but just being honest. But it does take a feeling of knowing on the other end, like, hey, this could be received okay. Um, yeah. It takes both. And I also... Okay, maybe it won't be received on the other end, but it's still on us to do it. But it doesn't mean that it's mm. like it's helpful that society is talking about it a little bit more. It's a really good <laughs> and yeah. Okay, there are some questions that I have to ask you that I ask everyone. Um, but before we do, those are more like general coronavirus stuff. I just want to give you the opportunity. Is there anything else that you want to say about? your journey with sobriety right now or being in a treatment facility during these times or why you wanted to share your story anything that you a message you want to get out or just anything else you want to talk about in that regard i mean the the sole reason why i even reached out in the first place because i mean once i i I think you added me somehow or found me i I don't remember how it happened but you know i kind of looked and i I, I got the gist of the project and everything. And it's like, yeah, you have you know, so many different people from all around the world with so many different perspectives. But the one thing that I really wanted to like stress is, um, you know, in this type of, you know, situation, this type of oh, oh, wait, stuff, wait, wait, wait. I'm going to ask you to start again because the wind blew and I couldn't hear you at all. And I want to know what you're saying. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the, the thing that I really wanted to get across um, is, you know, even though, you know, we're being told to be socially distant and stuff, it's like, in this, you know, this scenario, it's like, we're, we're, we're getting past that. Um, and I don't know, it's, 
it, it's just it's it, it's surreal um like i said before just to be told hey like listen you can't be around people you can't you know, do anything unless you're doing the whole you know zoom meetings or you know anything online um and you know it, it's you know, just because all this is happening is you don't necessarily have to give up on sobriety. Um, like you don't have to walk away from it. Um, you know, it's just, I mean, it's really sad, honestly. Like, I mean, just in the past month, um, you know, I've, I've seen quite a few people who have like left the program and stuff. And, you know, a week later, you know, they're gone. Um, and it's, you know, because they're becoming overwhelmed, like with all this COVID and crap and, like it, it doesn't have to happen like even though everything seems so far away and so far apart like I mean, we're still together I mean, just you know reach out thank you for being brave enough to share your own story so that somebody else can know that it's so important um thank you um yeah okay as of today may 21st is that what it is is that right can't see it now Yep. Okay. May 21st, 2020. Um, Matt, do you know anyone that's been diagnosed positive with COVID-19? Uh, yeah, my father. Okay. Did not expect you to say that. You mentioned <laughs> that once this whole time. Your father, how old is he? Yeah. Uh, oh, crap. Um, he's born at 61. So I, he's, he's pushing like 60 years old. I think he's 59. Yeah, that makes sense because my mom... My parents are 58 and they're 62. So, yeah, 59. Right on the brink yeah. of like being in the high risk group. So, is he okay? With yeah. Um, I it, it it's funny because I like when when I was in Washburn House and COVID had first got there, um, I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know like if it was going to get out or anything. Like you know, as far as the news and stuff. So I called my dad and I said, Hey, listen, like. You know, I don't know if somebody's going to call you. I don't know exactly what to expect, but, you know, I'll just let you know that, you know, there's been you know, quite a few confirmed cases of COVID here. Um, you know, everybody's quarantined and stuff. And one of the crazy things about that, uh, real quick, is, you know, they had done testing on, I think it was like 16 different people or something like that. Um, and then those people were still, you know, in, uh, quote, unquote, society, I guess you could say. They were still, like, you know, amongst you know, everybody else, those uh, people tested positive. So they did testing of everybody else, you know, that was in, you know, close contact with them. Like, I'm surprised I didn't get it because, I mean, one of my good friends, I mean, he had it, he tested positive, but he didn't even show any symptoms. Um, so anyways, I, you know, I called my dad and I was like, you know, listen, like, I don't know what's going to happen, um, but, you know, this is what's going on. And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I already had it. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, and uh, he's like, yeah, you know, I, I had it. And he's like, I was sick for about you know, a week and a half. Uh, but you know, I, you know, I got better. And I, I actually got really mad. I was like, why the hell didn't you tell me? Like, you know, what's going on? I'm like, I, I know we have, you know, our, our differences and stuff. But like, Jesus. And um, his thing is, he didn't want me freaking out. Because I, I definitely, if I had known that he, you know, he was sick, I would have left. And I would have gone and tried to help him. But I mean, in reality, it was bit me in the ass so i mean essentially he was looking out for me and you know I, he bounced back he was fine um you know my mother never got it but yeah whoa okay actually as soon as you started talking about why your dad didn't tell you like it makes complete sense um and thank god he didn't 
you're both in a better place now. So yeah, but your mom and him were living together, and she was taking care mm-hmm. of him. I imagine. Yeah, and she she never got sick. Um, I mean, she didn't get tested either, as far as I know. Um, so it could have been one of those where she was asymptomatic. But yeah, no, they're they're doing just fine. God, it's just like you have no idea how it's going to show up to who, to what degree. Like it is, there is zero. Wild. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, like I said, it, it not even just my father. I mean, I was in a building where like 13 people all were confirmed positive with, you know, COVID. You only one of them showed like symptoms. Only one. Yeah. Only one showed actual symptoms, but of everybody else was people. perfectly fine. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And I mean, that's, I, I kind of have my own you know, speculations and stuff, but I mean, personally, I think, you know, COVID's a lot more difficult to get than, you know, people actually think. Like, I, I think a lot of it is just, you know, hyped up because of the news and everything. But yeah. It's so interesting. Has anybody been diagnosed positive at this new place that you're at with over 300 people or around 300 people? Um, I actually asked that, uh, you know, not not too long ago, a couple of days ago, and I, I think it's three people, or something. You know, you know, something completely you know small, like you, you would never expect to be. Yeah, it was like you know, three. You know what though? Like, if you actually think about it, like let's say that uh, the place that you're at now—I forget what you said the name of. Let's call it its own country. Mm-hmm. Three people—that's one uh, percent of the population, or two percent of the population. If you actually think about the population of the U.S. or of the world, like. Yeah. I feel a pretty small percentage, but it feels so fucking big. It, it, it really does. But, I mean, if you look at the numbers and everything, the ratios, the actual, the actual numbers and everything, it, it's so, you know, so, so small. Um, God, I'm so interested in this. Now, yeah, it, were people wearing masks and stuff at the place when people were positive, the 16 people, and then everyone got tested? Like how many people out of all of you were positive, let's say, that got tested or or, or of that place? Like, was it 50% were positive and 50 weren't? Like, No. So, I mean, you know, at Washburn House where like most of the people are tested positive, um, I think there was a total of 60 uh, in that, you know, in that facility. So, I mean. How many people? Well, there was 60 in Washburn, like total. Oh, and you um, had about like 16 tests positive. Yeah, given, I, I think it was around, it was like somewhere like 13, 16, something like that. But I mean, it wasn't, you know, a completely outrageous number. It wasn't like all of a sudden, oh, everybody's getting no. sick. Like it was a third just, of the people, more or less. Uh, even less than that. But like, even even so, only a few of them showed symptoms and said, Oh my God, that's so interesting. Okay, but that's to dig into one another. I mean, actually, the last question I'll ask you about that is like, because I would be thinking, my original thought was like, holy shit, like if I knew that that was the case, I'd be fucking paranoid and anxious the whole time. However, maybe I would be way less paranoid and anxious knowing what you know and being having the experiences you had. I don't know. Tell me about that. I mean, you know, when, when Corona first, like, you know, you know, exploded, I guess, um, I mean, I, I'm not really, I, I was worried. Um, I was a little paranoid and stuff and, 
you know, I was going around and like, you know, constantly washing my hands. I mean, I still constantly wash my hands now anyways. I mean, pretty much the, the gist of it is you just practice, you know, decent hygiene. Um, yeah, no, it, at first I was, you know, I was pretty, you know, paranoid about it. But then, you know, as time went on, you know, just you know, looking around at everybody and just dealing with people and stuff, it's like, you know, because we're in such close, you know, uh, close quarters and stuff, it's like, you know, if you get it, you get it. You know, you just kind of you know, move on with life. I mean, there's, there's no really avoiding it. Um, so I mean, what's the sense in freaking out? It, it's, I mean, you, you're just going to burn yourself out. So, I mean, there's a million other things that we can worry about that we can actually control. Um, so why don't we focus on that instead of worrying about what we can't? Amen. Amen. And I, <laughs> I don't want to say that that's like AA talk, but I know it is, but that's also just like, world talk in general life it's like and we spend so much because by the way at the end of the day the only thing that's certain is that one day we won't be here other than that everything is up to to chance and the only thing that we can truly control is our attitude towards things can't control what happens but we can control how we react that's it yeah control ever anything else so we all think we no we can't By the way, speaking of control, we all want to know, control, when are we getting out of this? Have a plan, which we can't right now. But I would love to know if you could predict the future, when are we getting out of this, Matt? Uh, I mean, honestly, I I think it's going to get rushed. Um, But I I think, you know, all in all with, with everything going on and the way that it was dealt with and stuff, I don't think we'll ever really like come back to what we know is normal, like what it used to be. Um, I, I think it's just, yeah, it'll, it, it's going to be a new normal. It's going to be, you know, um, you know, it's like, you know, over in China, like masks are a huge thing. Um, I, I can see that happening, you know, pretty much for, you know, the rest of my life. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I can see the whole, you know, the social distancing thing, you know, sticking around, um, maybe not as, you know, strict or as, you know, as enforced as it is right now. But I mean, yeah, no, I, I don't, I don't think we'll ever just, you know, come back from it. I think it's just, just adapt to it. Yeah, I know. Someone said it really beautifully the other day. They said, mentally, we're never getting out of it. Ever. Yeah, no. But life, okay, maybe it'll come back some ways, but yeah, never going to be 100% the same, which honestly, for me, I'm very happy about because maybe not very. There's some things where I'm like, oh, that's sad. But the way that life was, wasn't great. I mean, there's a reason why there's so much anxiety and depression and addiction and abuse. I mean, we need, I mean, the space where you can be in nature and just sit and relax and hang out with people, get back to the basics like so many people are doing right now. Mm-hmm. Like these are the things that like, we, I don't want to forget this. this. This is life. We're meant to live, not to work, right? Yeah. So maybe we have that chance. I don't know. It, uh you know, just, you know, you saying that stuff, it reminds me, um, there was this guy, he did a study, I can't remember uh, his name, I'll, I can look it up, and I'll send you the link, but um, he did this study where, uh, you know, he, he had this one rat, um, and he, he put the rat in a cage by itself, um, and he had, 
you know, two bottles of uh, water for the rat. And, you know, one of them had cocaine in it, the other one didn't. Uh, and because the rat was by itself, or that's what the study showed, um, it was, you know, it went for the, you know, the water with the cocaine, you know, more often. Um, and then he took another cage and he, you know, he put a bunch of, you know, rats in it. So, like, there's you know, a lot of rats in this one cage. Um, and he put, like, toys in it and, you know, like, whatever rats play with and do. Um, and, you know, he did the same thing. He put, you know, two bottles of there, you know, with cocaine, with water. Um, and, you know, without fail, it was, you know, most of them just wanted to, you know, just take the water and stuff. And I think, you know, with that being said, um, because, you know, society now has, you know, experienced what it's like to be so distant from each other, like, we're going to become more close in a sense. Um, you know, it's like, you know, losing the power, of, you know, when you're at home and stuff. I mean, the first thing that comes out is monopoly, you know. Uh, but <laughs> it's like, um, but yeah, um, I don't know. It's, it really is a toss-up. Um, I mean, as far as everything going on, no, I don't think we'll ever be back to normal. But it, I do think it will, you know, in a sense, be, you know, better off. Like there's a clearing. There's a clearing for the world. Just like, by yeah. the way, there's a clearing for your life. I mean, I honestly am like so excited for you because you get to come out new and fresh and so is the world at the same time. You don't have to go back to what you did before, which yeah. is kind of really fucking cool, I think. Because um, it's almost scary going back to what it was because you don't want to. You're new, almost fresh. Yeah. Um, so, okay, you've mentioned some good things. That have come out of it. Actually, before we go there, I have to ask you this question too. Um, and I don't know what your perspective will be on this, considering you've been in these facilities more or less the entire time of quarantine. Um, but you know, this is something that is not just affecting the U.S. As you said, it was overseas mm -hmm. first. It is affecting the entire world at exactly the same time. Crazy. Mm -hmm. But when we all look back on this, let's say I don't know years from now or whatever at some point in the future as you said maybe we're never getting out of it who are we all going to look at though as the country that handled it the best who's the golden child and who failed who's the golden fuck up <laughs> um oh christ i i really i don't know um that's that's another good question um as far as the quote-unquote golden child um i think china definitely handled it the best um they jumped right on top of it. Um, I, I think, you know, out of all the countries, I think we, I mean, honestly, I think we did the worst. Because, um, I mean, even if you look at the numbers and you look at the infected ratio, the death ratio and all that fun stuff, yes, it is so minuscule, but the way that we handled it, it was like, a, oh, like, it is what it is kind of thing. Like, we didn't, it, it, it wasn't, you know, so important to like actually like pay attention to and then you know once it you know all of a sudden now people are dropping dead left and right it's like oh hey now we'll do something about it. whereas you know pretty much every country i've heard of um once they started seeing like all these infected people it was like all right let's jump on this and try and you know stop it from spreading i mean italy was one of the first countries that you know closed up their borders um i don't really remember what china did but i, I know china I think they pretty much uh, stopped like the, the spread uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, that, that's another thing I'll, I'll have to look up. But 
Yeah, I mean, pretty much everybody else, their their infected numbers are you know not necessarily going down, but you know, kind of an even keel. Um, and we still have people over here just still getting infected. It's hands down. I've only had one person, one out of all the interviews I've done, and I've done at least one interview a day since March seventeenth. You're almost at day ninety. Okay, Think about that. One person has said that another country other than the U.S. will be the golden fuck-up. Only one. And yep. I don't know whether or not that's true. I hate to say that I kind of think it is true. Mm. Or if it's the fact that everybody has their eyes on the U.S. and we're supposed to be the leader and it's like hyper-magnetized. Don't get me wrong. We're not handling it properly at all. So many things are fucked up, but I don't know what's true. Brazil is a hot fucking mess right now. Nobody's talking about it. Um, so, but yes, China, the way that they, the way that they rolled out like their online school, I mean, I've gotten to talk to some people over there. It's incredible. And there's plenty of people who say that China sucks because they're the ones that started it, which is such bullshit. Um, so I appreciate the fact that you did say that. Um, so, okay, here's my last question for you. Um, mm. and it's my favorite one of all. So you've mentioned, you said, I think people are actually going to get closer from this. Uh, I think it is an unfortunate truth that in absolute darkness, that's when the light shines the brightest. It's an absolute mm. tragedy that the human spirit shines because we have to figure it out. Otherwise we just crumble. And for that yeah. reason, there's been really beautiful that are already coming out of this and that will continue to come out of this. So I'd love to know from your perspective, Matt, what good, positive things are you already seeing come out of this from friends, family, local communities, the planet, industries? Um, and what good do you think will come out of it? Um, as far as good, I mean, I, I can only speak for myself on this one. Um, I know that I, I've, I mean, every day, I mean, there's an epiphany to be had. Um, you know, just... Just in the, you know, in the, the sole fact of like, you know, because we're told to, you know, distant, you know, distance ourselves, like now we're becoming closer and stuff. And, you know, I, I've learned a lot more about myself than, you know, I would ever think about before. It's like, and I have all of the time in the world right now just to sit there and focus on myself. Um, and so, I mean, that's, that right there has, you know, probably been the biggest thing um, for me at least. Um, as far as everybody else, um, I mean, yeah, it's, it, it probably would be the same. It's, you know, a matter of reflection and just, you know, instead of, you know, worrying about, you know, how we're just going to be that week and stuff and everything. It's like, you know, there's more, you know, there's more, you know, family interaction. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I would say uh, reflection would be you know, the, the best thing that's come out of this. And if reflection is the only thing that comes out of this, it will be amazing. If everybody takes time to really reflect. Yeah. And then, of course, like, do something with the reflection. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. <laughs> but you can't unlearn the things that you know. You can forget about them every once in a while, but you never unlearn them. So, and that would be huge. Um, so I'm really excited for you. I'm so grateful that you decided to share your story. It was a pleasure. And I'm really like inspired by you, truly. 
Um, it takes some <laughs> to do what you're doing. So keep at it. Um, and I can't wait to see where you're at in the next three months. So is there anything that else that you would like to say or share on the record? Um, off the top of my head, no. I, I got nothing. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> pretty much that's it. So. Cool. Awesome. I'm going to stop the recording then. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the One World Your Story podcast. If you enjoyed hearing this story and you wish to hear more, make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes and YouTube. And of course, follow us on Instagram at One World Your Story. From all of us here at the One World Your Story podcast, we are sending you so much joy and love. Have a wonderful rest of your day.